0: And for those of you who want to contribute, the Free Methodist has a uh, Bishop's Relief Fund, and it's on our website. And what you basically do is you go there and you donate there, and what they do is the bishops who are in charge of that area, they talk to the uh, various churches and say, okay, where are the needs and how could we help? So if you want to help out in that area or you know, if you want to donate to the American Red Cross or wherever, you know, I would uh, highly encourage us all uh, to do that at this time. But wasn't it a blessing to see Kaylee up here? You know, Kaylee Yokoyama? I'm sorry. I know Naoko already introduced her, but it's my tradition to always give a shout out to somebody who's been up here for the first time. And I remember sitting right where Ida was sitting, right? And I was just meditating and praying. And I think it was during VBS. And they were leading worship. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice. I go, who is that? And I turned to my right, and it's Kaylee. I said, man, we got to get her up this. So, you know, it's wonderful that God has uh, gifted so many people with different gifts. And if you have a voice, if you want to sing, please come and talk to us. Because Naoko, who's our leader here, you know, praise God for her. She's like a professional opera um, coach. She teaches opera. So she also helps, (coughs) excuse me, train our vocalist, and we're so blessed to have her. So, once again, you know, if you feel God calling you and you could sing, you know, let me know. And if you're just sitting there worshiping and you hear this voice and you, you turn around and you see somebody, let me know. And I'll be the one that goes and talks to them. But we're almost at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, we've been talking about the Sermon of the Mount because, you know, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to know. What he requires from us, we need to know how um, to live. You know the life that he has called us to live. Because so many of us, like myself, came to know Jesus one just to escape the fires of hell and to have my sins forgiven, and that's it. And then once I accepted Christ, I, you know, I'm good. You know, I didn't realize, oh, there's all these other parts of the, you know being a disciple that I had to figure out. Is that like, God? You want me to love my enemies? What? You know, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? And it became harder. But then part of it is I didn't realize that that was part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we've taken upon ourselves to teach you what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have called Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, there is an expectation of how Jesus expects us to live. Not only to live, but to be transformed to. Our, he has an ex- expectation of our values, what we value. We used to value the things of the world. Now we need to value the spiritual things, right? And we can't do it on our own. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. But that's important. And this is a conclusion of the main theme of the Sermon on the Mount, which gives the standard for kingdom living. You know, Jesus has given us the standards relating to Ourselves, who we are in relationship with God, um, to morality, how we should, you know, what type of morals that we should uh, live by. Do we live by the morals of this world, or do we live by the morals of um, Jesus? Religion, you know, what uh, Christianity or being a disciple is really about. We saw those who were false teachers, and Jesus showed us what it truly meant to worship God. We talked about how to deal with money, and we talked about possessions, and last week we talked about not being hypercritical of people. That we live in a time of grace, that Jesus wants us to extend grace to others and not judgment, especially for us who, you know, we, we sin also, right? Let him who has not sinned cast the first stone. And so when we look at all of the things that we covered Excuse me. I know part of um, when you read this, you said, this is impossible. You know, this is crazy. There's no way we could do this. There's no way I could do this. And that's correct. There's no way you could do this on your own. That you can only do it through the power of God. And today we're going to talk about the vehicle that allows you to do this. And this has been one of the most frustrating and confusing as well as the most exciting aspect of my spiritual life. And that's prayer. Well, prayer is the engine for transformation. Prayer is the engine to give us the strength and the power to live out the words of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. You know, although Pastor Marco talked about prayer in the Lord's Prayer several, uh, you know, months ago, or today we're going to be talking about the results of prayer in our prayer life being rooted in a loving and caring God. Okay? And so if you uh, have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Matthew 7, 7. Verse 7, and we're going to talk about prayer. And this is one of the passages on prayer that caused me to be the most frustrated about prayer in my prayer life. To the point I was saying, you know what, this doesn't even work. But that's because I didn't, when I was younger in my faith, I really didn't understand prayer. My version of prayer was Aladdin, right? That God was this genie and that if I would pray something that he would answer my prayer. Now granted, I understood that if I prayed to God, could you make me a billionaire? You know, I get that. He's probably not going to answer that. But there's a lot of good things that I prayed for and they didn't get answered. And verses like this totally confused me. And so I if it confused me, there's a good chance it might have confused you. So let's go and let's talk about this. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Doesn't that sound like whatever I ask for, I'm going to get. And the problem is that there are some pastors who have used this to parlor this into the prosperity gospel. They said, Name it and claim it. That God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be wealthy, you know? And they said, see right here, ask, ask, and you'll get it. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But if you see the first thing when he talks about the progression and what we need to do when it comes to coming before God, it starts with asking. And in James 4 2, James says, the reason we don't receive. It's because we don't ask. And, you know, asking is an indication of desire, right? When you ask for something, you're asking for something you want. It shows in your heart what you want, right? And so it also shows trust in the person you're asking. You know, if Michael came up to me and said, Dad, you know, I want that new Bugatti, the one that just went 300 miles an hour. You know what I'm going to say? Are you crazy? You know I don't have $300,000. But he knows he's not going to ask me for a Bugatti. Because number one, he knows he doesn't have to trust that I could come through on that. I don't have $300,000 to uh, pay for a car. But when we ask, it's an indication of what's in our heart, what we want. But it's also an indication of trust in the person that we're asking that that person could provide the things that we're asking. And in this case, we need to keep asking or we need to ask God for the things that make us more like Christ. And that was my big issue with prayer. Because when I was younger, I thought if I asked for anything that I would get it. And even though these things were good and I didn't get it, it, it was frustrating me until I understood the prayers that God answers for us, that he promises to answer for us, are prayers that we lift to become more like Jesus. That's what we should be praying. But if you see there's a progression there where he says you have to ask, where it's more about inquiring. And then we have seek which is, you you have to put effort into getting what we desire, and knocking is pounding on the door in in an attempt to get what we desire. And the closest thing I could think about when I saw this progression is in dating, right? Now, I'm old school dating, right? And so we didn't text, date, we didn't ask anybody by text or anything like that. You know, back in the day, we had to ask. And so I already talked to my wife about it. She said, this is okay. So, when I saw Grace, I said, oh, she—you know—this is an attractive girl." And so I had to ask. I had to start doing my homework to ask people about Grace. You know, what she like, what her hobbies are. And then I f- found out—you know—she played tennis and volleyball for Cal State LA. And I go, "Oh my goodness, she's a jock and a really good one." You know, even though I thought I was <laughs> athletic, I said, "Ooh," you know, I know she hates. Hates it when I tell people that she played uh, sports in college. But I just love to brag about her. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but anyway, I had to ask around to see um, what she's like. And to see if maybe if I even had a chance <laughs> of um, going out with her. And, and then you had the seek part. Then that's the, okay, seek requires some effort here. Okay, this is where I had to go and actually get the nerve to go up and, you know, just talk, start. Blah, 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 I'm getting all tongue tied already. It's like I'm back in that, those days where I was like, oh, what's she going to say to me? And you had to go and uh, talk to her, you know, engage in conversation with her. It, you know, for me to get to know her. And for her to get to know me, that's the seeking stage. And then there's that knocking stage. That's when you're like knocking down the door. That's when you have to muster that courage to ask for something and hope and hope that you get that look of, yes, I'll go out with you. And, you know, back then that took tremendous courage to ask somebody out because at that moment, you know, thank God, You know, when I asked Grace out, I got this beautiful smile. And she said, sure, I'd love to go out with you. And I was like, yes, yes. But there's always that chance where you get that, you might get that awkward look. You know, like, and then you know, you know, guys, you know, right away, right? It's like, how do I get out of this? Okay. Oh, just kidding. I, I mean, I didn't really mean it. I'm, uh, uh, You know, I don't know what I was thinking, but, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> you know? But that's knocking on the door. You know, that takes the courage to go and take that next step. Why? Because I wanted to go out on a date with her. Asking about, you know, Grace wasn't good enough. You know, just, you know, getting to know her wasn't good enough. You know, I wanted to be in a relationship, you know, with her. And this is what we're talking about here, you know. And if you take a look at this, it's really funny, though, um, Ask, seek, and knock, they're in what they call a, um, imperat- a present imperative. Imperative just means a command, and present means a present tense. So basically, what Jesus is saying is you should be asking and keep on asking. Because when you see ask, seek, and knock, you think it's a one time deal, right? Yeah, ask, seek, and knock. Oh, well, i ask, seek, and knock if God said no. Okay. No, Jesus is saying ask and keep on asking. On asking, seek, and keep on seeking, knock, and keep on knocking. And this is what God is asking us to do. You know, if you're having problem like we talked about last time with being critical. Well, keep asking God, keep seeking God, keep knocking on the door to ask God to help you to have more grace and to be more merciful in your life. If you are fearful, you know, keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking and ask God to give you the courage knowing that he is in control of all things, that he will never leave you nor forsake forsake you. Don't just ask once because the more you ask, it shows how badly you want something. It shows how badly you want something, but there are sometimes when doesn't it seem like God doesn't answer our prayers? When we pray for things and and like I said, they're good things, but God just doesn't answer them. And you say, God, what's up with that? Don't you care about me? Well, let's take a look at that. It says, "For everyone who asks, receives." The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. So when you take a look at this verse, whenever you do these things, it's an automatic that you are going to receive these things. The question is, what happens when we pray? And for seemingly good things, and it doesn't happen. Well, there's some principles in prayer. Number one, God answers our prayers when we walk in obedience in him to him. God answers our prayers when we walk in obedience to him. You know, in John 15, 7, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If we are not walking with God, you know, we shouldn't expect that God will answer our prayers. You know, parents, we know this well, right? You know, if we tell our children to do something and they're disobedient to us, right? Right? and they're woefully disobedient, and they turn to us in the very next second and say, Mom, Dad, can I have this? You know, can you get me a whatever it is? What's our response? 99.99% is no. You know, why? Why? Well, you know, we want to teach you something, and we're not going to reward you uh, for wrong behavior. And so God answers our prayers when we walk in obedience to him. And so part of it is when we're looking at our prayers and they're seemingly not um, being answered, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, am I walking with Jesus? Am I being obedient to God? Because that's the first thing. If we're not, you know, most, uh, our prayers aren't going to be answered. So what's the second thing? God answers our prayers when our motives are right. When you ask, you know, James 4, 3, it says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend on what you get on your pleasure. We ask with the wrong motives, right? We're always praying for what? You know, ourselves. We're always praying for what we want, what I want. And if that's our prayer life, it's, you know, if God is that genie up there, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, you know, guess what? God's not going to answer those kind of prayers because we're asking for the wrong motives. Finally, God only answers our prayers if they are in accordance to His will. This is a kicker. And this is the one that kind of confused and frustrated me. It said, God only answers our prayers if they are in accordance to his will. And it says this in First John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, anything, what? No, he's a kicker. According to his will, he hears us. And that's a big part. Because if I used to say, if we ask for anything that is good and normal and reasonable, that God will answer those prayers. But no, John adds this: if we ask anything, what in accordance to His will. So this is what used to frustrate me, this, okay, God, anything I ask for, you're not going to give it to me, so the only thing you're going to give me are things that are in accordance of your will, so well, forget about it, you know, you're only going to give me what you want anyway, so why do I need to ask? You know, you don't have to raise your hand, but I don't know if any of you have ever felt like that before. It's like, God, you're just going to give me what you want to give me, (laughs) I don't need to ask, because everything I'm going to ask for, you're going to say no anyway, because it's not in your will. You know so I said, "Well, forget it right and that's prob- that was the biggest i think problem I had with prayer is that it took me i felt it took me out of the equation I felt that it took my desires, my wants, even though those were good and reasonable requests, even if it was the healing of my Both my parents who loved Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who served Jesus. I thought that was a legitimate prayer request. And I wasn't praying for myself. I was praying on somebody, on behalf of somebody who loved him. But God didn't answer my prayer. And for those of you, you know, uh, my mom died when she was 54 years old, you know, from cancer. You know, God did not answer my prayer. And that was one of the times when I said, well, this whole prayer thing, forget about it. You know, it don't work. Because if that's your will for me, I don't get it. Okay? However, I'm glad he doesn't leave it at that. Verse 7, going back to Matthew 7, verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you, he's talking about fathers, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now what he was saying here is that, yeah, dads were not perfect. You know, we're flawed, right? We're we're sinful. But if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more would a perfect, loving God give us those gifts? Now, I get it. Some of you may not view God this way. Some of you might have had an abusive father. Some of you might have had A father who abandoned you. And when you look at this, you could say, well, yeah, I could see my father giving me a stone, you know, when I asked for bread because he did it, right? He did it. But part of your faith journey is to let God reshape you, to let God re father you. So, yes, you might have had a father that was as bad as what Matthew's talking about. But God can refather father you. God can bring you to the place where you see God as this good and loving father, even though your father wasn't good. And so, basically, when I was confronted with this, why, you know, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Because he's not a good God. No. This, this, these verses say that God is a good God that God is a good God and there are many times when I asked for bread and I thought I got a stone or a fish and he gave me a snake you know but as I look back God never gave me a stone God never gave me a snake I just thought it because I was angry because he didn't give me what I wanted but God is a good God And so when our prayers aren't being asked, even though it might be reasonable, if it may be something that's close to your heart, something that you really want to see happen, that is good, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that God is giving you a stone. It doesn't mean he's giving you a snake. Because he's a good God. He only gives good things to you. And then basically we need to reorient or thinking on what is good also Romans 12:2 do not conform to the pattern of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind pay attention to this then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good his pleasing and his perfect will. Remember I said that God's only going to give you something if it's in accordance to his will. Well, scripture tells us that God's will is good. It's good. It's good for him. It's good for you. It's pleasing. It's pleasing to him and it's pleasing to us. So we should desire God's will. And the last thing, God's will is perfect. And then I understood. God, if you're going to only give me something in accordance to your will, number 1 it's coming from a God who is good, who's only going to give me good things. Number 2, his this will that he will only answer is perfect. That it is perfect for me. It's perfect for me. So when God when when you hear that God is only going to give you something that's in, co- in accordance to his will, we should all say hallelujah, thank you, God. I'm going to still ask because it shows what's in my heart. It shows that I want to be transformed into the likeness of your son. But, you know, if you give me anything, everything you give me, if it's in accordance to your will, I'm going to take that. Because that's perfect. And I know what I want. And if you take a look at all the things I wanted, all the things throughout my life that I thought were, were perfect, they were far from perfect. And a lot of things I thank God that he um, didn't give me those things. And as I looked at my life, you know, there was a time when I did think God was, you know, giving me a stone. Is when I went into seminary. You know, the day that I, my first, the day that I had to register was the same day that we had to bury my mother, right? And then my father was a um, quadriplegic. And so my brother and I had to do everything for him. You know, in seminary, um, I had to take like 103 units, graduate in three years. I was taking six classes a semester, as well as going to summer school in the interterm. Right I was getting killed academically to be honest with you i wasn't learning anything. <laughs> I was just trying to keep my head above water, taking six classes, and then on top of that, I was working twenty to forty hours at evergreen at the church, being an intern, and I said, "God, is this how you pay me back i finally sir so i 've been playing Jonah for like all of these years, and I finally say yes to you, and this is what you do to me." You know, but as I look back at those days that were the hardest days in my life, God's plan for me was just perfect. It's perfect. All of the struggles, all the pain, everything that I went through, all the stones that I thought he gave me, all the snakes I thought he's given me, they were perfect for me to get me to where I am today and I guarantee you I guarantee you because this is God's word here that is the same thing for you right now you just see stones and snakes but down the road you're going to see <laughs> bread and you're going to see fish and you're going to see God's will was perfect even though down the road many tears were shed god's will for you is perfect you know thank you That's one person believes that yeah. <laughs> but another thing that i had to learn about you know god's will it's not about me all right every on my prayer life it's all about me it's all about me God's what i want what i want you know what God's just saying, Dave, life's not about you. Life's not about you. Stop praying for yourself. Start praying for others. And this is what he transitions to. And he says, um, so in verse 12, and we're going to conclude with this. So in everything, do to others what you have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Once again, this is a great commission. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you want somebody, you know, God's not saying treat people as you would like them or expect them to treat you or how you think they should treat you. He's telling them, treat people as you want to be treated. And so as we go back to prayer, are you praying for people? Are you praying for other people? In the same way, Things that you want for yourself. Are you praying for your children that they would become more like Jesus? Are you praying for your spouse? Are you praying for your coworkers? Are you praying for them? Those who know Jesus Christ. Are you praying that they would become more like Jesus? Or if they don't know Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus Christ yet. Are you praying that one day they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that they could have a Father that's good, that everything that He gives them is going to be good, and His will for them is perfect. But we have to realize it's not about us. It's not about us. And so what's our weekly challenge this week? Is I'd like us to read Matthew 7, 7 through 12 every single day. Every single day. Second, reflect how God, has been, um, how God has been involved in your life, bringing to where you were today, okay? Because a lot of times, if you're not in a good place right now, if you're struggling right now, if there are more tears than laughter in your life right now, I want you to take a look at your past and see how God was involved, to see, you know, there was, God was good in my past, you know, God didn't bring me, give me a stone or a snake. And that help you give a perspective on the problems that we're going through today. Because God never said that he was going to take away your problems. And then take notice of how God has, how good God has been to you. You may be going through a tough time now, but reflect how God, good God has been to you in the past. Every day, ask the Holy Spirit to transform you into the likeness of Christ. Because this is the only prayer he's going to ask. Now, God gives us, because God's a gracious God, he does give us things other than that, that we ask for. But the only thing that he promises that he would give us is um, his Spirit's power to transform us into the likeness of Christ. And then, so, if someone bothers you, ask how you want to be treated, and treat them the same way. I mean, this is a rule of good for this, those of us who are driving, right? You know, and we're we're driving and we're getting off, and there's a line, and you see all these cars going up over, almost to the exit and trying to cut in at the last minute. You know, and thinking, okay, if I was that driver, would I want somebody to let me in? And I go, yes, I would. You know, um, but do that, okay? But once again, if any of you are struggling with your prayer, I hope that you remembered today the things that we talked about, of the prayers that God answers for us. You know, and you know, God's a good God, and He's going to give us. Sometimes He's going to give us things that, um, you know, don't have anything to do with um, transforming us into the likeness of Christ in terms of our attitude, because He promised to, you know, give us the things that we um, we, we need, right? You know, sometimes he'll he promises to give us the things we need. And you know, he'll also sometimes give us the things that we desire. But I guarantee you that your prayers will always be answered if you ask God to transform areas in your life so they could be lined up more along the lines of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father.